and welcome back to the Euro Trips Football Podcast. We are back to all things, all things football with some very controversial topics this week. We've got all things Man City going on in the Premier League, all things Juventus and their issues going on in Syria, as well as points dropped in La Liga and the Eredivisie. I'm your host Andy and I'm Fursi, joined by our returning guest who will be focusing on Syria this week and all the problems in Italy with their biggest club. Uh, we're with Ryan, how are you mate? Yes, I'm well, mate. Are you? I'm good. Yeah, not too bad. Um, I wish I could say the same about, you know, I'm trying to enjoy Premier League football, but um, a certain club in red that I support is making it quite hard at the moment. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, no, it's um, apart from that, I've been I'm enjoying the football, but yeah, I can't lie and say that I've been enjoying watching our games too, too much this season, especially since the turn of the year. Um, our second guest is a fellow Arsenal fan. Who, of course, as you know by now, is our resident La Liga expert. I'm here with Naeem. How are you, mate? Yep, doing well, very well, thank you. Thank you very much. Good stuff, good stuff. And then finally, a returning guest who we've had on recently a few times before. He's our new Eredivisie expert and, and man who covers that league we've got with us. Richard, how are you, mate? Hi, Andy. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, good to be back on. Um, yeah, I think I'm um, really enjoying this um this season in Dutch football, really happy I've subscribed to Mobile TV to cover the league and, yeah, happy to keep everybody informed about it going forward. Um, this season's this season looks a good one, let's just say. <laughs> Brilliant. And, of course, if you haven't heard Richard yet on our podcast, he is a Wigan Athletic fan and he did get a 0-0 draw with Blackburn Rovers yesterday. Uh, that result does leave you a rock bottom when it comes to the EFL Championship. Um, any hope that you boys can stay up? I mean, you're currently only three points off Cardiff and with the game in hand. Um, so a team that you see team support has been up and down these last few years, ever since your relegation in 2013. Um, do you think you guys can stay up or are you seeing another season where you get relegated into League One? A bit more optimistic having seen us against Blackburn last night. I mean, honestly, it was, it was an eyesore to watch at times, let's just say. It was two pretty poor sides, if I'm being honest. But... Um, I have to say there was some encouraging signs last night. Um, I was happy with one of our loanees from um, um, Naeem and Ryan will, will probably be familiar with Omar Rekic, the younger Dutch uh, Tunisian centre-back. We've got him on loan from Arsenal. I think he had a good game. And yeah, we're, we're just kind of lacking a little bit of um, lacking a little bit of attacking vibe at the moment. But um, I hope we can get it right. But this weekend is a massive game for us against Huddersfield Town. It's it's as as six pointers you will find. So we absolutely need to to win that game in the weekend. We we need to convert draws into wins. Now draws are not enough anymore. We need to start winning games. But I'm a bit more optimistic having seen us last night. Just need to get a bit more cutting edge in attack. Yeah, I know it's um should be an interesting end to the season. And what is from what I've seen the tightest league table I've seen in that division for some time, particularly at the bottom and in terms of the the non-automatic playoff positions. Um, we are going to stick to our normal categories and try to get as much in as we can. We're probably not going to get all of them in, but we'll try and get as many in each of our leagues as we can. And we start off with the biggest talking point in football, not in just Premier League football, but the whole world football. Uh, the moment that got, certainly got me angry was the news coming out of Man City that they are facing 101 charges of alleged rule-breaking from the Premier League. This is stuff like assisting league investigations to do with their profit, to do with manager remuneration and the accuracy of their financial information. Um, I mean, this this spans from a nine-year period from the 2009-2010 season 
until the 2017-8 season. Um, City have come out and said they're, they're surprised by this, but they're saying it's been a five-year investigation. I mean, we all know what happened with the three year two three years ago, two years ago, when something happened in terms of being banned from Europe, and they they got out of that one. But from what I'm seeing and what I'm reading, it looks like they may find this one a bit harder to get out, out of. And there's you know a lot of talk, particularly from the um, Premier League clubs, and particularly from the big clubs like their rivals like Man U, Chelsea, and Arsenal, um, that they're wanting them kicked out of the Premier League. Um, talk of points deductions, talk of transfer bans. And the biggest thing that could happen is that they're kicked out of the Football League altogether. Now, you know, I think personally that won't happen. I can see it me being more points reduction in a few years. But it's got me angry because if this is true and if everything they're saying is true and they've cheated their way in the last 10 years or whatever, then myself you know, and many football fans are particularly angry about this. And I think, you know, I speak for many Liverpool fans like myself that I'm particularly angry because... You know, we've lost three league titles to this team, albeit two of them were after that spell, but, you know, often that spell where they were doing these bridges often caused them to then get these players they wanted and ultimately beat us to the league. And I think that, you know, I'm I'm so angry with this because, you know, we have, you know, I know we spend a lot of money, but we do try and spend money on our means. Um, you know, we're not like a Chelsea and Arsenal or what Newcastle may be in the future. We're a team that tries to, you know, play, do the right way and not, you know, spend me on our means and try and, by players the right way. And, you know, we've had, you know, so many years of heartbreak and myself, I've had my heart crushed too many times by Man City. And particularly one in 2013-14, which of course saw my biggest idol in sports, Stephen Gerrard, miss out on a league title because of what, what appears to be um, cheating from Man City. And it's just got me so angry because it just, you know, our cycle's coming to an end now and it may be even if they are, you know, removed from a Premier League status and they, they lose all their players and lose all their money, you know, even if the worst happens for them, you know, we may well be ending our end of our cycle. We may ne we never win a title again with Jurgen Klopp as our manager or anyone in the next 20 years. We could be set for another period like we had in the in the 90s and 2000s. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's for me, it's frustrating. And Pep Guardiola might be leaving. There's talk of him leaving now. I think he's... Three to one to leave Man City. Um, it'll be the next manager to leave. Um, so it's all going wrong in the blue half of Manchester. But um, you know, we'll go to you two first, Nyman and Ryan, particularly because you're the ones who are competing with them for the league title. Uh, what's your take been on on what's gone on in um it, with this whole thing involving Man City? Um, Naim, over to you. In terms of obviously, I don't think it'll affect this season, but in terms of the futures going on, uh, it could well affect them. Um, yeah, what's your take been on on this news? Yeah, like obviously it came out of came out of nowhere. It was like literally the end of the week, and then this comes out. You know, they got all these charges pending against them. Yeah, it's just a bit crazy. You just you don't really know, obviously know how clubs run behind closed doors. You know what what they're really doing. To be fair, but you know, obviously if all these charges stick, then I don't know. I don't know really know what's gonna happen. They might get a massive point deduction. They might you know get relegated down a few leagues, but. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy to be fair. Like, was everyone you know when the owners first came in, you know they were doing things the right way to be fair, and then you know they've been dominant, you know, for the last ten years um, in the Premier League as well. So, yeah, it's, it's this is big big news. Um, obviously there might be other teams out there that do that have done the same, but they might not have been investigated yet. But yeah, if these charges stick, then yeah, it's not it's not a very good time to be a Man City fan after um all the success that they've they've had um the last decade or so and obviously you know you being a Liverpool fan like obviously you mentioned you know obviously through the Premier Leagues that you might have won 
had had they you know been charged or whatever but yeah it's um yeah it's crazy man and yeah just have to wait and see what happens yeah it's going to be a long drawn out process but you know obviously uh they had that uefa ban you know they they nearly got obviously uh transfer banned but you know they, they had great lawyers to obviously get the case thrown out in the end and obviously with chelsea they've had two transfer bans and obviously they got penalized but yeah, I think now clubs uh, will probably be a bit more careful now to the way they go about their dealings. But yeah, I think I think more uh, over the next couple of years, more clubs will probably be investigated because no club is squeaky clean really with, with what they do. So yeah, that's 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 the way I see it at the moment, really. Yeah, and I mean it's um I think the Chelsea's the Chelsea stuff going on at the moment. I think that could easily mm. be something that in. In a few years' time, could be looked into Barcelona spending in recent in recent transfer windows. Yeah, uh, definitely seems to be you know a lot of that going on, and I think that PSG, I imagine, will be won't be completely out of the um picture when it comes to that. But you know, I've you know I've never ever watched that game back against Chelsea. You know, I've never watched that game back, and you know, it's it's a year where we even though you know people look at oh yeah, but City wouldn't have had the won those games if they had, you know, but um they lost twice to Chelsea. So even if, you know, it was the fact that they were even involved, we were still beating Chelsea to league anyway. So it's um but I think that it's yeah, it just frustrates me because it's just basically we've been had ninety two points one year, didn't win the league, ninety seven points one year, didn't win the league. And you know that is a that thing that's that ninety seven points is the third or fourth highest Premier League points total in history. And that would, I would win the league in most years. I think it just frustrates me so much the fact that basically, if this is all bear in mind as as a journalist, we gotta we gotta appreciate that this may not be true. We gotta be impartial, but at the same time, if this is true, then they basically basically conned the whole league and stopped many teams like Man U in 2020, 2021. Um, you look at other teams as well that they beat the league. Man U, the, the Aguero goal would, would wouldn't be looked in the same way if this is true as well. So there's a lot of permutations, not just for Liverpool fans and Liverpool, but just the whole league in general. And I think that, you know, I don't agree with giving teams league medals because I think that would be a hollow. You know, I can't see the likes of, you know, Ashley Young and Emmanuel in 2011 or 12 or Gerald in 13-14 or, you know, Bruno Fernandes in 2020-21 wanting that medal because in the day they didn't really get the chance to celebrate it. So I'm not sure how it will go. Um, Ryan, a quick word from you. Um, do you think there's any way that you know, they won't get in trouble for this, or do you think that it will be they will get something? You know, they will get done for this in some way. I think it depends on how much they're found guilty of. Obviously, I believe it's 115 charges. So even if they ended up being found guilty of half of that, I think then the penalty's got to be quite severe. I don't think they would get thrown out of the league, relegated. I just, I can't, I, I, I can't see that happening. I think that the Premier League just, uh, just wouldn't do that. I think the most likely scenario is that they would be given a, a very big fine and probably a points reduction as well. Um, how big a points reduction, obviously, would it would would be interesting. I think it would need to be quite significant to have any real impact, but it's. Uh, I think you know Arsene Wenger. He called it back in the day. It's, it's financial doping, and that's exactly what it is. And 
obviously they're not the only club at the moment that are in trouble for their for their finances. But like, I don't think anyone is surprised by the news. It's been leaked for a long, long time now that you know they've been doing some dodgy stuff when it comes to their sponsorships and uh, and how much they've been paying people and whatnot. And you know, if uh, if it does come out and they do end up being found guilty then like you say it's going to tarnish a lot of those uh trophy wins um i don't agree i don't agree with the the, the trouble was going going back and stripping them of titles and and cups it's such a difficult thing to do obviously they did it in italy you know when uh when they chucked juve out of the league and put them down to Serie b and they awarded in, into the titles then it's just not the same. I, you know, the clubs, like I say, they've not had those chances now to, to celebrate those wins. I don't think they'd want it. I think it would be extremely surprising if they did anything like that. So I can't see that happening, but you are right. They won't be looked at in in the same manner. Um, but I don't see why everyone is, is so surprised because we, I think most people knew it for a very long time that they they weren't doing things correctly anyway, so it shouldn't come as a massive shock. Yeah, and all the City fans that wanted to call our league title an asterisk in 2020, I think if this is all true, then your asterisk is even bigger for your league title. Um, quickly, uh, Richard, um, if, if it does happen and they obviously go down to the Football League, I can't imagine these players would stay at the club. De Bruyne to Wigan, funny chance, would you, would you take that? <laughs> I certainly would, but we'd probably struggle to cobble together about two percent of his salary, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I agree with what Ryan said there. Actually, I, I'm just coming on this. I don't if this if the if they are found guilty of uh, what they've been accused of, then and you know, like I say, the amount of charges mean that I think this is going to be a very difficult case to argue, a more difficult case to argue away than maybe one or two in the past, because obviously. This time round, I don't think it can go to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And I think the Premier League um, charges, I don't think there's any time limitations on them. So that's two differences to the UEFA ruling from a couple of years ago. But um, yeah, I agree with Ryan. I don't think it will go as far as um, being chucked out of the Premier League or expelled from the Football League. I, I don't think it will go as far as that. I think the very maximum that they will get um, in terms of punishment is probably a points deduction. I could even see, yeah, it falling between something between a, a minimum of transfer ban and then a point seduction at the very maximum. I think it will fall something in between that. And again, what we've also got to look at with this case too is, is that this is probably not going to be a very quick one to solve. You know, this could take a little bit of a time time period and you might even be looking at the summer of 2024 before you finally get a punishment because obviously it's got to go out and I don't think it's going to be a quicker for to to sort out but I mean if they were given a transfer ban let's say that came in in summer 2024 I'm just having a look at some of City's key players now um Amor at Laporte out of contract in 2025 Nathan Ake out of contract in 2025 Kyle Walker out of contract 2024 uh, Bernardo Silva and De Bruyne are out of contract 2025. So this would affect City. We have Mares out of contract 2025. So they were given a one-year transfer ban in 2024, let's say, when this com- this investigation goes on that long, then that would seriously impact them in the summer window, that summer window. So, yes, it's um, going to be a very interesting, let's say, 18 months ahead to, to see what happens as a result of these, um, of these um, investigations. Yeah, and I think certainly the, maybe the summer of this summer might be a key one in terms of 
selling players now and buying players now to prepare for that just in case the worst happens. And they do, you know, and they do get points deduction or even worse. Um, of course, one club that isn't shy of these sort of allegations and these sort of controversies is a certain club in Italy, which we have many times in this podcast before criticised and basically expressed our hatred for, particularly myself and Ryan, is Juventus. Um, and this is where we head to, Ryan. I don't know whether this is your moment that got you angry this week, but um, there's obviously more talk about the... 15 points deduction that Juventus got, which is eerily similar to what City could get. Um, and you want to talk about an article from The Athletic, which I'm too tight to pay for the subscription. So I believe you want to talk about all of that involving Chiellini, Ronaldo and what's going on with Juventus, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, the moment that got me angry in terms of that, I mean, there could be many candidates for that, to be honest, because at the moment, you know, shit here in the fan in uh, in Serie A, not just with Juventus. Um, you've got problems at both Milan clubs. The the in, inner um, owner, I don't know his exact name, but he's a Chinese owner. He's being um, basically chased by a major Chinese bank because he owes them a lot of money, which is never good to hear. You've got Milan who themselves are being investigated for their last takeover. Obviously not done something right there. Napoli could yet be investigated for Victor Rossi men's transfer from Lille a couple of seasons ago. Then towards the bottom, you've got Sampdoria, who are in a lot of financial trouble. Currently owe their players wages from last year still. And if they don't raise a certain amount of money, they won't be able to complete the season and they will be given a points deduction as well. So you can file all that, really, under that little category. Um, in terms of Juventus, yeah, it. I'm not going to dive too deep into it because we'd be here all night. It's a very complicated story. Um, but in in summary, there are quite a few investigations into the club. You've got one from UEFA of their own financial fair play you've got the prisma investigation which is more into the covid situation and the deferrals of wages um I'll, there'll be more on that in a minute but the main one for now and the reason why they were given the 15 points deduction um that's to do with capital gains and basically a certain amount of transfers that have been investigated, 61 of them in total. And out of those 61 transfers in in in, in Italy as a whole, uh, 41 were involved with Juventus. Now, most of them transfers involved players that you've never heard of, young players between other Italian clubs as well, as well as some other European clubs. Um Obviously, the major one is probably uh, Pjanic and Archimelo, which was a swap deal that confused a lot of people even when it happened because it was quite strange in, in, in the amount of money that both those clubs valued them at because Pjanic only had a year left on his contract at his age and he was being valued at 60 to 70 million euros and the same for Archimelo. I think that was what really got the ball rolling but there were several other transfers that made no sense whatsoever 
um, in, in terms of how they were valuing their players. And now this isn't, this isn't something new. Every club in Europe does this in terms of capital gains. Basically, for those who don't understand what it means, when a club sells a player and they say bring in £10 million for that player, they can put down on their finances that £10 million as income revenue all at once. But say they want to buy a player and they buy a player for £10 million, they can put that £10 million across the whole length of that player's contract. So say a player signs a five-year deal, then they only have to put down £2 million per year as money spent. This is how several clubs get around it, basically, especially um, with what Chelsea are doing now, giving players eight-year contracts. So that's where that makes a little bit of sense. Now, that's not illegal in a sense, but what Juve are being looked at, obviously, is inflating certain players' values. And it's always a tricky subject to go into because, you know, how do you realistically value a player? A player is valued by the club that owns him at the end of the day to how much they think he's worth. Um, it's all... It's all rather sort of strange and and complicated, but what isn't strange and complicated is is how they've basically been found out because they were actually cleared of this allegation um, and investigation. And there were several other clubs, including Gen Genoa, Sampdoria, and a few other Italian clubs, including Parma, and they were all cleared of this um, last year. And it was reopened because of all the other investigations going on to UEFA by the likes of UEFA and whatnot. Um, basically there have been uh, leaked documents, hacked emails. Um, they, you know, people have wiretapped the the executives at Juventus. Um, someone even bugged the restaurant to to catch some of them out. You know, their club headquarters were raided, and documents were found um, implicating them in you know the most stupid ways. I mean, the funniest thing that I read in the um the article by by James Horncastle, which is you know brilliant article, is uh, Fabio Paratici, who we know is currently at Tottenham. When he was at Juve, obviously he was a big part of all of this, and he actually had what they call a black book, but it wasn't really a book; it was actually just a sheet of paper. And on that paper um, were the most bizarre things. You know, he's, he's written a lot of things on there, but he's put, like, under strategy, excessive use of artificial plus valenze. Now, plus valenze is exactly that, what I mentioned earlier, to do with capital gains, something that they shouldn't be doing. So the fact that he's written that down on a bit of paper and they've just left that out is amazing, to be honest with you. It just shows that they obviously did not expect to get caught I think a, a little bit similar to Manchester City in that regards, in the fact that it's just caught them by surprise. They didn't expect, you know, to get fifteen point reduction, you know, points reduction, and yeah, you know, it's all rather complicated. You know, they're being looked at for the player wages as well. They told everyone that the players would be deferring four months of their wages during the COVID pandemic when in reality they only gave up one month's wages. Um, so obviously they've they've lied to their to their shareholders because Juve are listed on the uh, stock exchange in Italy, which makes this even obviously more complicated. 
it's just it's just a mess you know and to mention obviously the whatsapp chat when uh when Matthias de Luc left i'm not sure if it was when he left or when he was still there he basically gave the prosecutors his phone who then looked at the whatsapp chat for the juventus team and there's a message in there from Giorgio Cialini basically telling them that they've announced it's going to be four months wage, you know, deduction. When in reality, it's only going to be a one month one. And he's listed underneath it how the club have done it. So, I mean, again, how stupid can you be to let that out? It's just, it's, it's, it's simply crazy, to be honest with you. And I don't know what's going to happen next for for Juve, they're currently appealing the um, 15 points, obviously, decision. But the only thing that can happen with that is either it stays at the 15 points or it's thrown out and they get those points back. Nothing else can happen. They can't get that reduced down to like nine or six or three points, nothing like that. It's either one or the other. And I don't think they're going to get that, you know, an order or anything like that. I think that's there to stay. And they could be hit with some more serious penalties from UEFA if they're found to be, you know, breaching financial fair play with them. The Prisma stuff is more off the field, really. And I think that would be more prison time for the former board members and directors rather than any on the field stuff. But again, if they're hit with some very big fines, it could pose some interest and problems for them coming in, you know, into the summer because they're not going to get Champions League football now, which is a hundred plus million euros in revenue gone. And they might not even get any European football at all. So they're going to be in some serious financial problems, which, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens then with some of their star players like uh, Dusan Vlahovic and Federico Chiesa. So, yeah, I try to keep that as, uh, as brief as I possibly could, but it's um like I say, it's a very messy situation. No, that was a that was a fantastic insight into um all the goings on in Syria, and it was um really good to hear that what was going on, and it was uh, really fascinating. Uh, before we do head to a quick break, we're going to quickly ask uh, Naeem and Richard what in their leagues got them angry. So Naeem, over to you. What got you angry in La Liga this week? It was a bit, of a, a bit of a tricky one, but um, it was part of a game. Well, it was the game of the weekend. It ended with, it was between Real Betis and Celta Vigo. Uh, end result was 4-3 to Celta Vigo. You know, Real Betis, they couldn't, couldn't close the gap on the European spot. But the moment I got me angry was, it was pretty much in, in a dying, dying minutes of stoppage time in the second half. Luis Felipe got a straight red card because... He punched the ball out of Iago Aspas' hand because uh, Real Betis was looking to take a quick throw in, and yeah, he got he got red carded there. It was just, it was stupid of him to do, so that got me angry. As you know, he he is their main centre back, and yeah, now he's out for three games. So yeah, that moment made me angry in that game. Um, but yeah, it was a good game though, nonetheless. And then uh, Richard, over to you. Which moment in the era de Vici got you angry this week? Sort of a mixture of anger and frustration, I'd probably say. Yeah, it was AZ Altmar. Um, I'm kind of rooting for them to win the Eredivisie this season because it just would be something quite nice, had a traditional big three of Ajax, PSV and Feyenoord. But then they were playing against uh, relegation-threatened uh, Volendam. 
and it was a really limp performance from them. I have to admit, they went behind on the 62nd minute and they were quite lucky to get a point out of it at the end of the day. Jens Odegaard um, equalised for them in the 83rd minute, but they were very lucky to get a point. And truth be told, I don't know if they would have got a point had Gaetano Oristiano not been sent off for for Volendam. So, yeah, just a real limp performance amazed Altmar, really. I don't know where it came from against the side battling relegation. And just frustrating as well, not, not just angry, but frustrating because, you know, if they want to win the Eredivisie title, those are the games you've got to win against relegation strugglers. But um, it's still very, very tight at the top in Holland and we might delve a bit more into that later on in the show. And that'll be coming after the break. So in the break, you'll hear my quick announcement of what else is to come this week in the Eurotrips Podcast Network. Yep, it is still me, and I'm here to tell you what else on the Eurotrips network you have to look forward to this week. On the Across the Pod platform, if you're an NFL fan, you'll know this week is Super Bowl 57. I bring you our preview of that game with some Eagles fans and some Chiefs fans. Do check it out on the Across the Pod podcast on all Apple and Spotify podcast networks. Let's get back into the show. And we are back from our break as we continue our talk on all things European football on the Eurotrips Football Podcast. Um, we touched a bit on the Eredivisie before our break, a league we haven't covered on this podcast yet. So we'll go back to you, Richard, on this one. Um, just tell us, you know, what's been happening this season in the league and sort of how the table's looking at the moment and who's sort of leading the way in terms of the um, the golden boot race. Yeah, um, this has turned out to be one hell of a title race, I have to say. Um, uh, three games to go um, after a nil-nil draw against, uh, sorry, one-one draw against Volendam um, at home in a really, I would say, flat, let's say, mutinous atmosphere at the Johan Cruyff Arena. Um, Ajax party come with um, Alfred Schroeder, the manager, and in his place until the end of the season has come. Um, John Heitinger, a man, of course, famed being one of a select band of players for getting sent off in a World Cup final. Um, he's come in until the end of the season in a caretaker capacity. And Ajax rebounded. OK, it was against Cambor, who were bottom of the league at the weekend, but they won 5-0. Um, interesting team selection, too. He had Mohamed Kudus on the right wing and Dusan Tadic played centrally and he was using his strength and hold-up play to bring others into play. Stephen Berghaus scored two goals. Um, could have looked good on the right side. Brian Brobe came off the bench, the young Dutch striker, and quickly scored a brace um, as a late substitute. But then the game of the week, without question, was um, PSV versus uh, Feyenoord at the Kite in Rotterdam. And PSV, of course, were 2-0 up in this game, although they were a man down before the second goal went in when Obispo, the Mexican defender, um, got himself sent off for a rash tackle um, during play. Um, Falcon Hazard, of course, a new signing from PSV Eindhoven. The, the transfer window has been an interesting one. They brought in Fabio Silva, whose loan from uh, Anderlecht from Wolves was cancelled, and he's gone to PSV now. Um, and they've brought in also Torgan Hazard from Borussia Dortmund. He scored the second goal, and that looked to have gotten fire, um, PSV the points. But um, Feyenoord came back in the last 10 minutes of the game, and after getting one goal back. They then went on and got a second goal back, courtesy of Ali Reza Yakambach, the Iranian, um, who curled in a 95th minute um, equalising goal. And Feyenoord are currently three points top at the Eredivisie title. Um, so, sorry, the Eredivisie standings. 
with AZ Altmar actually in second place, they missed a chance to go top of the league had they been able to beat uh, Volendam themselves um, the previous night. It's actually a really interesting title race because the best, no one no one seems to want to win it. Um, Feyenoord and AZ Altmar have drawn the last two games. Before the last two wins under, Heit- in, under John Heitinger's caretaker command, Ajax had drawn three straight. Um, PSV have only won two of the last five. And Twente themselves, who are also in the title race, have only won one of the last five themselves. So it's a really, really fascinating title race. No one seems to want to win it, <laughs> which also makes it fun and interesting. Um, and in terms of of stats, uh, Brian Brobe's two goals um, at the weekend got him to 10 in the Eredivisie. And he's actually the tech second top scorer. Um, Anastasios Duvikas from Utrecht has 11 goals. And Cody Gappo is actually still ranked third, despite no longer featuring for for, for uh, PSV with, with nine goals. So it's a fantastic title race and um, certainly a league to keep an eye on and watch uh, for everyone out there. And um, if you've got a mole, you can subscribe to Mola TV and watch it. Yeah, it's nice here. Cody Gappo could do something good when it comes to the goal scoring facility because I've not yet seen that when it comes to Liverpool shit. Um, obviously, this is a league, obviously, you know, everyone in the in the UK focused on the Premier League mainly, sometimes the Championship more than other leagues, but, you know, look at, you look at the other major leagues, get a lot more focus. Um, do you think that the Eredivisie can break through that gap, potentially be a league that is watched by a British audience, or do you think that it's one of those leagues because of the, the, the history behind it and that maybe the culture in the UK, I don't know. Do you think it's maybe it will never ever become a league that is watched, or do you think there's a chance that maybe one day that could be different? I don't think it will ever be major, Andy. Um, I don't think it'll have a cult following like Serie A did back in the 90s or the Bundesliga has alongside the Premier League, but it could be up though with League 1. I think it all kind of because in terms of a league where you look at it maybe and you discover new talent. I think it, it probably could be one of that a, a situation like that. I also think maybe in a situation like this, it might need another team alongside um, Ajax, PSV and Final coming through, you know, an, an AZ Altmar or a Twente or even someone else after that winning it, maybe to stir it up a bit more. Um, but I think it, you, you can sell the Eredivisie as a league of talent. And obviously a lot of Premier League clubs have gone shopping there recently with Gakpo, uh, to Liverpool with Madureke to um, to Chelsea. Eric Ten Hag obviously came in for Martinez at Ajax. So I think you can sell it like League Earn as, as sort of a league of talents. Um, and I also think maybe what might try and might could stir extra interest in the Eredivisie is how well the Dutch sides get on in the uh, European competitions. And they're locked with a, in a very interesting fight at the minute for sixth place in the UEFA coefficient ratings with Portugal. We'll probably go on to the European club competitions next week in more detail because it's crazy to think they're starting up again soon. But um, maybe some good performances from the likes of Ajax, PSV, Feyenoord in the Europa League and maybe as an Elmo in the Conference League might stir some extra interest in it too. But I think it could maybe not quite be as big as League 1, but in terms of being a full league of talents, but you could probably sell it the same way um, because, you know, going to Netherlands and getting experience as a young player and then winning a big transfer, you know, I think a lot of league teams will look to the Eredivisie for talent and, you, and, you, and the fact is you've already seen it this season um, already. So, yeah, I think it could be sold in the same way as League 1. Yeah, and I think that's certainly worth, you know, the size of Ajax, who I think is a bigger club than pretty much 95%, 95% of the teams in the UK. 
I think they're an absolutely massive club, but I think you know their club would be even bigger if it wasn't for the league they're in. But I do think that you know that is the draw that would start it off, and then maybe other teams. You know, if World Stars stay there, I think that could attract players. I think these players often do leave. You've seen so many players leave that league who have gone on to be some of the best players in the world. So yeah, it's tough flat league, but you never know. You never know one day. Um, right, let's head on to our league because that certainly is a league that isn't you know isn't lacking for fan base in the UK, but. Um, Naeem, you want to talk about a title race, which you know at one point was seemingly quite tight, but it seems to have gone completely the other way. Yeah, so yeah, before I start that, I just want to shout out Elche. They finally got their first win of the season, a three-one home victory against Villarreal. Funny enough, their funny enough their last uh, victory came on the last day of the season, and they won three-one there. So yeah, they finally got their first win, I believe. There's only one more team in Europe that hasn't recorded a win, and that's in Serie A. Um, so, yeah, that's a quick shout-out to them. But, yeah, <clears throat> in terms of the title race in the Liga, yeah, it's kind of a bit wide open now. Real Madrid dropped points on the weekend to Mallorca, 1-0 defeat there. So, right now, there is an eight-point gap in the league. But, yeah, the thing, thing obviously, with Barcelona, Xavi's been there just over a year now. His record in the league is pretty crazy, to be fair. He's uh, managed 46 games so far. He's won 34 of those, drawn seven and lost five. In that time, he's kept 24 clean sheets. This season, they've kept 15 so far. So, yeah, um, it just goes to show, you know, um, if he's, with these new managers that are coming in, um, obviously, he played under Pep. You know, he, he, probably, he must have learned quite a few things there, but... Yeah, they're just having a great season so far this season. You know, they didn't do too well in the Champions League. They had, obviously, they dropped down to the Europa League and they've got a game, uh, obviously, a playoff game against Man United next week, which which should be a good game. You know, both teams are in great form this season. So, yeah, like, with with the way the league's going, I, I think they're probably going to be on course to win that. They've already won one trophy so far this season. They're in the semi-finals of the Copa del Rey and... Yeah, Chavi's come in there and obviously just changed changed the way that they're playing. You know, they've they've done well in the summer. Obviously, they've brought in Jules Kunde. He's been a great addition. He's been playing at right back. Obviously, they brought him in from Seville. They've obviously got Lewandowski, who's obviously top goal scorer in La Liga at the moment. Rafinha has been a good addition on the right wing for them as well. And yeah, they're just they're just obviously. Compared to obviously Real Madrid last season, where they obviously won three trophies, it seems like it's this that it's it's going to be this season. Like their their defense is is just crazy. You know, there's not many teams that have conceded what seven goals in twenty games. It's just pretty crazy. Their their home record is great as well. That obviously they haven't lost lost there. You know, only dropped drawn twice there and conceded one goal. So obviously the Spotify camp new is obviously a tough place to go to, and obviously severe on the weekend found. Found it just that, but obviously by losing three nil. So, yeah, Travi, Travi, um, yeah, he's he's come in. Obviously, he's played his style of football. You know, kind of a ticky ticky type of football. Obviously, what Barcelona are known to play, and the results, the results are great. Uh, so obviously, gone are the days where they're spending over a hundred million pound on players. You know, obviously, just wasting money that way. The obviously, there's the signings in the summer have been smart and. You know the results. The results are telling. So, yeah, I thought there would have been a title race between Real Madrid and Barcelona, but Real Madrid in the last couple of weeks they they've, they've been dropping points. Um, so I, I I can't see them clawing back that eight point gap. 
they they're playing they're playing obviously got El Clasico in March so you know if Barcelona win that then you can pretty much say the title race is over and done with I think it kind of will be now as you know Real Madrid don't look like the same team they have done last season they haven't really recruited too too many players um obviously in the summer and yeah their team is pretty much the same obviously Ancelotti is a great manager but I think yeah these these crop of new managers coming through um yeah this to show showing show why they they obviously deserve these sort of jobs. So yeah, Barcelona might be back. Um we shall see. But yeah, credit to them. It's eight points. But I think the the more important thing to look at is uh the teams below them in the table. Obviously uh Sociedad's they're now six points behind Real Madrid. Uh obviously, obviously that they they could have they could have been level on points with them the other week if they did they did obviously beat them, but yeah, from fourth spot to to seventh spot, there's only you know there's only four points in in there. So yeah, I think to look at now really is who's gonna get those European spots and the relegation. Obviously, relegation is only there's only between nineteenth and uh fifteenth. There's only there's only uh, four points there as well. So yes, yeah, it's. it's Title race is pretty much, I'll say, is pretty much over and done with now. Eight points is a lot to claw back from a team that, you know, only one defeat this season. That was obviously to Real Madrid, and they just don't really concede many goals, so they're quite a hard team to break down as well. So, yeah, credit to Barcelona, and yeah, I'm looking forward to their game against Man United next week. Um, as obviously mentioned, both teams are doing well so far this season, and. Yeah, it'll it'll just go to show um how far they are um with their progress and everything. Now you mentioned Madrid, and I'm going to put my my red tinted glasses on now. Of course, it's the <laughs> a team that we're facing in the knockout stage of the Champions League. Of course, we start fifth year in a row that our season could end in the hands of a Madrid team or being in Madrid. To look at the Champions League final, we won in Madrid. Either side of you know we lost we lost to Madrid in the Champions League knockouts in the quarter final. And the final, and Atletico Madrid as well in the last five years, as well as the final last year. Um, of course, you know, league form goes out the window in the competition, and you know we've had probably the most underwhelming season I can remember as a Liverpool fan. When you compare that to the expectations for the season ahead, um, you know, Madrid, you know, even last season proved that you know you don't have, don't have to be the best team to win the tournament. Um, now we've we're in a bad run form. We've not scored a goal. In the Premier League, uh, we only scored one Premier League goal, I should say, in the entire of 2023. Um, and we had more goals scored by own goals than, than players um, individually since the World Cup restart. So it's been terrible in the form. But is there anything you're seeing from this Madrid side that can give me hope as a Liverpool fan that we can beat them? Or do you think that even though they've been bad, we've been so much worse? This, it just all depends on who plays on the day. Like with Real Madrid, they're not really free scoring as much as they used to. So you know you could get there, but obviously with your problem is you know defense is pretty much a shambles at the moment. Your your front your front three is you know they're not it's not as fluid as it has been over the last couple of years. I know I know you've got quite a few injuries um here and there. So I think obviously with the home leg is obviously at Anfield first. You know it. it you you still do have a good record at Anfield, especially obviously in the Champions League as well. So, you know, if you can get a good result against them at home, then you just never know really, because obviously it's knockout football. 
you know, form kind of goes out the window there. So I reckon you might have a slim chance. But, you know, with Real Madrid, they are the kings of the Champions League. So they are, I don't think they will retain, retain the title, but it, it just depends really. It's just, because obviously, like you said, you, Liverpool aren't really scoring at the moment. So, you know, it might just be like a 1 0 nick it sort of win. But then when you go to the Bernabeu, that's, that's that's always a difficult difficult place to go to, um, as many teams have seen over the past couple of years. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. As, like I said, Real Madrid haven't been in the best form in the last couple of games, um, dropping points um, and giving, obviously, Barcelona a bigger lead in the title race. But yeah, it's 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 just it's fifty fifty at the moment. I, I'd say, um, obviously when the when the when the draw was obviously announced, Real Madrid were the favourites, but you know at the moment, I reckon it I reckon it'll be fifty fifty at the moment. See how it goes. Well, I'll take that. Ladies and I'll take a fifty fifty chance. I mean, I was thinking more like twenty eighty, but you couldn't <laughs> some hope that um we can potentially do it because um you know it has been terrible. You know the Wolves game was truly awful. Um, you know, and it just seems like everything is going wrong right now. And um, you know, I was actually in Brighton when they beat us. You know, it's um, it's not been a good time at the moment, and I think that it's um, I think it's a lot worse than what it was two years ago. It's very in the scenes to two years ago where we did have a bad year after a really good year. You know, but you know, whilst two years ago was you know a really good start to the year, I think we were top on Christmas Day or around about that time or near Christmas, and then. Turn the new year turn. We had about a two bad two month bad run, and then the rest of the time we were good. But we've had bad runs multiple times this season already, and I do think that you know I do think that it's potentially you know the end of the likes of Fabinho. I can see sadly Salah being sold. I think we'll get rid of the cake, the ox, and Cater and Mil. I think Milner will go. I think Henson will stay, but I think he's on borrowed time. And, you know, I really, you know, I've, I've mentioned it first of all, but Fabinho for me is a player I've absolutely loved and I I really hope he doesn't go, but I do also think maybe his time is up. Um, certainly he's a first-team player, um, but I, I, obviously the one for me I'm concerned about the most is for me, no, even because I think he still offered something to the team before his injury. Um, and yeah, especially with, you know, Nunes and Gakko not exactly give me much confidence at the moment, albeit they're in their first season at the club. Um, yeah, it's worrying. Um, Ryan? Do you give Liverpool any chance against Madrid? Um, or are you in the same boat as Naeem, the fact that anything is possible in Champions League football? At the moment, no. I don't give them any real chance. <laughs> as I watched Liverpool's highlights against Wolves, and it was like watching Arsenal under the very bad days of Unai Emery. Um, just shocking all over the pitch, to be honest with you. And Real Madrid, they're just a different animal in the Champions League. Mm. It takes a, takes a lot to beat them, and I just don't think Liverpool have that in them right now. It's funny you mentioned those two teams though, because when when I looked actually last week at the um, the odds for the Champions League winner, funny funny enough, um, Liverpool were actually shorter odds than Real Madrid, which I was. Oh, yeah. Done. I, I couldn't believe it. I thought that is that, outstandingly bad. Whoever's done that, that's, wow. that's shocking. I, can't, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, do, do they not have eyes? Like, can <laughs> you know, Real Madrid are having an okay season? You know, not not outstanding. But you look where Liverpool are right now. It's I I was shocked, and and even worse were the fact that Napoli were below both of them. And I was I just 
I don't know who makes these odds up to be honest with you, but yeah, it was um quite quite astonishing. But yeah, no, I don't give Liverpool any real shot. Joe, I genuinely think there is more chance right now of Jennifer Lopez walking into my house and asking me out on a date than there is Liverpool ever winning this game personally. I think the form's been that bad. I do think that it's very unlikely. But in a way, I'm not against it because you know we actually benefited from that bad from that bad form two years ago from going out because we then had no other games to worry about. So I think there's definitely pros and cons, but I would genuinely rather finish ninth and fifth because I don't think the way our squad is at the moment, I don't think we could we could cope with an extra extra game a week or two games a week. Um now which I'm going to go for you for a different angle on this, not as much this game, but more the rest of the games going on in the Champions League. Um, looking at the fixtures, it's Dortmund, Chelsea, PSG, Bayern, Milan, Tottenham, Club Brugge against Benfica, Eintracht Frankfurt against Napoli, Leipzig, Man City, and Inter against Porto. No, I mean, maybe you want, maybe you want, you can look at City, Leipzig, or maybe look at Napoli, Frankfurt. No real David against Goliath sort of games, but in those games I just mentioned, any of those games spring to you with any potential shocks going to happen in the Champions League or any sort of potential thrillers? What are you seeing or thinking ahead of these this next round of Champions League, which does start um, in exactly a week's time? It's really interesting, isn't it? Because like when the draws were made, you kind of had a feeling City against Leipzig, yeah, you fancy City to win that quite comfortably, but obviously they're going through a bit of a turbulent patch at the moment. They lost against Tottenham at the weekend. You know, Tottenham seems to have um, the edge on them at um, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So, yeah, and Leipzig are playing well in the Marco Rosa. You know, they're up there at the top end of the Bundesliga. So, I'd still have City as favourites for that one. But, you know, they're probably not as much as favourites as what they were, let's say, when the draw was made. And I think that's the, the case of a lot of these ties. I think Benfica versus Club Brugge is probably the one where I'm thinking there's an absolute bonafide favourite there in Benfica. But the others are really hard to call. I mean... Napoli probably are favourites against Frankfurt, but I don't think that's going to be easy at all. You know, Frankfurt are riding high in the Bundesliga. They're defending Europa League champions. Um, that's actually one I'm really looking forward to watching, actually, because I've, I've been watching a bit of Napoli the last couple of weeks, and I'm just intrigued to see what Frankfurt are like. Um, I didn't really see a lot of them during their Europa League run last year to the final, where they obviously beat Rangers. So, But I'm obviously intrigued to see. I think Napoli will win that game, but again, that could be quite um, a hairy one. Uh, one Certainly one to, to, to watch. And also another one that catches my eye is probably Inter Milan versus Porto. You know, Inter probably looking the best of the rest at the moment in Serie A behind Napoli, who are absolutely flying and running away with the league. And then you've got Porto, who've got such a good European pedigree. So, um, yeah, probably those are the two ties I'm really looking forward to, actually. Frankfurt versus Napoli and um, and Inter versus Porto. All of, them, all of them look really, really good and intriguing. Likewise, the Liverpool-Real Madrid won um, two sides in a bit of, um, well, Real Madrid in a bit of choppy water at the minute and Liverpool in a bit of crisis, you could say. But no, I'll, I'll go with Inter, Porto and um, Frankfurt, Napoli as two to keep an eye on, I would say, alongside um, the likes of Liverpool, Real Madrid. Hey, and then finally, we're going to give up some awards before we end the podcast. So first one is goal of the weekend. Um, so over to Naeem for your goal of the weekend in La Liga. Yeah, so my goal of the weekend was obviously in my game of the weekend between... Real Betis and Celta Vigo. It was actually the first goal of the game, scored by Jorgen Strand Larsen. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a very great goal. Uh, Carlos Perez running down the wing, first time cross, and then 
Larson literally from outside the boot on the volley hit straight into the roof of the net from inside the six yard box. Great technique and a great goal um, from him. So that was my goal of the weekend. And that was also a game of the weekend you just mentioned. So over to Ryan for your goal and game of the weekend. So, yeah, uh, well, I'll go with the goal of the weekend first. There weren't that many this week, actually, that caught my eye. But one that did was um, Andrea uh, Petigania's equalising goal for Monza. Um, Sampdoria were 1-0 up at the time, but Monza drew 1-1. And it was a it was a well-taken goal, to be fair, by Petigania. Um He's a half-decent striker, to be fair. It wasn't long ago where he's, he was actually at Napoli. But, yeah, he's just... Um, he's in the box. The ball's coming to him. He's flicked up with one foot. And he's turned and he's hit it past the keeper into the side net. And so it's a, it's a decent goal um, in a weekend where there weren't that many to pick from. And game of the weekend... Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that same game actually because it did end up um, as a two-two draw. Monza they got a 98-minute penalty in which the same player scored, um, so big point for Monza. And yeah, it was a it was a pretty decent game overall. So I'm gonna go with Monza against Sampdoria. Now I'm glad you didn't say Inter against AC because I covered that game for Rolling Sports Media doing the commentary and um, it was a pretty bad game and AC Milan were pretty terrible so I'm glad you didn't say that one. Um, Richard, back to you. Um, any particular goal or game that stood out for you um, in the Eredivisie? You mentioned the game before. Would it be that one again? Um, I didn't actually see the game between uh, Feyenoord and PSV live but, but yeah, given the dramatic uh, nature of it, PSV being too up and then final coming back to get a two-two draw late on. Yeah, I would probably say that was probably my probably the game of the week week in the Eredivisie. I'll go with Naeem. I think I really enjoyed watching the the Betis, the um the goal scored the um, the the Betis versus Celta Vigo game. That was a real um end to end game at times. Obviously Celta Vigo shocking Betis and winning four three, dealing a blow to the um, Champions League hopes. Yeah, I'll probably go with that one. But yeah, in the Eredivisie, um, I'll have to watch that back later on tonight or tomorrow. But that um in full but that PSV final final game had a lovely um twist at the end and um yeah look, looked a good one. Okay, well my game of the week, there wasn't really many good games, I think for me. Um I think it's Spurs City. Um I do think that you know, you can look at Villa Leicester was 4-2, but the connotations aren't really there. But, you know, you look at the likes of the connotations for this game. I mean, of course, it was after Everton beat Arsenal 1-0. City had the perfect chance to make it two points within the title race. And, of course, then playing still each other twice it was a great chance. But now, you know, still five points after both teams lost. But for me, I thought it was a great game. There was edge to it. You know, Spurs have got a really good stranglehold in recent years over City. Uh, Conte, I know he wasn't there, but Conte particularly given City trouble the last few years. I think it was a brilliant game and of course it had a moment in history with Harry Kane becoming Tottenham's all-time goal scorer. Um, so yeah, for me, that game in a week which had no real you know, thrillers, I think that was probably the one that stood out. Now, goal of the week is an interesting one if you all listen to our previous episode all the way back in August. Now, I've gone for a goal from Brennan Johnson who scored against Leeds United which did get Jetty March the sack. Um, wonderful goal. Free kick came in, it was cleared away. First time volley and straight in from Johnson. Now, if you don't remember, 
I bet Ryan back in August £75, which you know, crazy at the time, that Brennan Johnson would score more goals than Gabriel Jesus. And I did say at the time, if injuries happen, you know, we won't count the bet. But I did give Ryan the chance a few weeks ago to cancel the bet when Jesus' injury got announced. But what did Ryan do? He declined. So at the moment, <laughs> albeit we're still well, three months left of the season, both teams on both teams, both players were on five goals. So um <laughs> getting interesting when it comes to that. And I know it's um it's, he's got He's got quite a few goals recently, so I'm hoping he can continue this form. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. That seems to be that bet seems to be racing hotting up when you know at the start of the season it seemed like that was completely crazy decision to do. So um how are you feeling about that, Ryan? Still confident you're gonna win that many? No. <laughs> I think I'm a bit, bit of trouble. <laughs> I need I need Jesus to hurry up and get back fit. I think I think he I think we'll I'll still be okay. He'll bang a few goals when he comes back. I think I will say, to be modest, I think it speaks volumes that he's been injured for two months now, I want to say two months, and he's still got the same amount of goals as Brennan Johnson. So, um, yeah, it doesn't really speak too much of that. Um, but we're, that is sadly it for the podcast. We have much more to discuss, but we have gone on way too long than we planned, so we'll have to end it there. Um, we are going to be back next week for more football debates and, of course, some exciting news. We have booked our tickets to go watch Valencia play Real Sociedad at the end of February, the last Saturday of the month at the Messiah stage, and one that I'm particularly excited for because I've always expressed my soft spot and my desire to go watch a Valencia game. So looking forward to that. The three of us are going to go. So we'll be on our YouTube channel. Um, so that will be coming out probably start of, start of March, if not end of February, our vlog at that game, and we'll try and show you as much of we can of that game experience, but also stuff to do before the game or after the game as well in the area. And of course, those of you who are listening, who are NFL fans, I have done another vlog, so another video, I should say, another tier list ranking my experience at NFL stadiums at the end of last year. So yeah, this has been, do, get, do give that a check out and do like, share and subscribe and all of that. Uh, but yeah, that has been the end of the podcast. So I've been your host, Andy. This has been Ryan. This has been Richard. This has been the Naeem. And we'll see you guys next time.